Yo, this is Axel Rose of Guns N' Roses. Hey, this is Carmen Electra. Hi, this is Daryl Strawberry. What up, though? This is Big Snoop Deal Double G. Hi, this is Don Stallard. Hey, yo, Hulk Hogan here. What's up? This is Beyonce. I got a great show lined up for y'all. Hey, yo, yo, yo. Let's get this party started. The Sports Beat. You know what? Let's keep it hot. The Sports Beat is off the chain, man. Ah, yeah. The Sports Beat. Download the podcast now. You're listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge, presented by Georgia Alabama Sports Live. I hope that you are enjoying your Wednesday. You can catch an episode Monday through Friday from 2 to 3 on WQEE 99.1 FM, The Key. I'm on right after Rod Peterson and right before Braves Country today with Mac McGee and the Armchair Quarterbacks. We have a great show for you. I'm going to have Gabe Reynolds on in just a bit, but first, a lot of sports to get into Tuesday nights is usually a big night in high school basketball. It's rivalry week. Thrip Barringer and I were on the campus of Pacelli for Pacelli and Brookstone. As the Pacelli girls beat Brookstone 51-16 and the Pacelli boys defeated Brookstone 67-41. I'll get into all the high school basketball that happened last night. And I'll have my college basketball bracketology show and the Hall of Fame class for the 2024 inductees in the Baseball Hall of Fame have been announced. The Atlanta Falcons head coaching search just got a little thinner as the Tennessee Titans named former offensive coordinator from the Cincinnati Bengals, Brian Callahan, as their new head coach. The Falcons will have a second interview with former interim coach of the Falcons, Raheem Morris, He's been a head coach before with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and he is a likely head coaching candidate somewhere. I'm thinking maybe Seattle. It's looking like it's a done deal that Jim Harbaugh is going to go to the Los Angeles Chargers. I thought that Jim Harbaugh going to the Falcons would be a good fit. He did have a second interview with the Falcons. The sides are far apart when it comes to the hiring of Bill Belichick. There are some people in the front office that don't want to see Belichick as the Falcons head coach. Here's my philosophy on the matter. If you can't beat him, join him. The only way Belichick would work in Atlanta if he brings Josh McDaniels on as his offensive coordinator, why not bring Matt Patricia as your defensive coordinator? Just recreate the whole Patriots atmosphere down in Atlanta. But you got to get a quarterback. So last night in high school basketball, we had some big-time rivalries in the Tri-City area. Thrip Barringer and I were on the campus of Pacelli to witness, in my opinion, the best rivalry in Columbus. Brookstone and Pacelli, these two schools do not like each other. There's no love loss. And this was a big game for both teams in the GIAA. The Brookstone girls led by their head coach, Kim Ellison, coming into the land with a 9-8 and record and 2-1 and in the GIAA. They had a lot of confidence, especially after making it to the GIAA championship game, but they did lose a lot of firepower. Taylor Williams, their leading scorer who averaged 27 points a game, is no longer on the team, and they do have a young team, and they were going up against a Pacelli girls team that looks like they could win it all. 
Pacelli dominated 51 to 16. It was Michaela Hosley, the former Northside Lady Patriot, who had 13 points and she had three blocks. And Pacelli goes to 11 and 4 on the season, 2 and 0 in region play. And they will take on the Heritage Lady Hawks, who are still undefeated on Thursday. Heritage is a school up in Noonan. And they're hoping to have a good showing up in Noonan and get the victory. Meanwhile, this was a fun game. The nightcap. The Brookstone Cougars facing off against the Pacelli Vikings in the land. And by the way, I mean, the girls game was packed. The boys game was standing room only. Some of the who's who in Columbus was at this game, including WTVM's Jonathan Hoppy. You had Central quarterback Andrew Alford, the former Brookstone Cougar basketball player. Columbus State head basketball coach Robert Moore was in the building. Yeah, this was a big deal. Pacelli gets the 67-41 to victory over Brookstone. Now, it looked like Pacelli was just going to run away with this, but then Brookstone started out the fourth quarter on an 8-0 run, and they cut it to 14 at one point. And Pacelli was playing without their leading scorer, Jaden's Ford. TJ Smith had 20 points. Jalen Bush chipped in with 14. And the freshman, the 6-5 power forward, Michael Rowe, he had a couple of rebounds, some blocks. He had nine points. Pacelli gets the win to push their record to 12-5 overall. 3-0 in region play. Brookstone falls to 12-8. 3-2 in region play. And the battle for the region this Thursday. It's Pacelli taking on Heritage out of Noonan, Georgia. That's a big game not only for Pacelli. Also a big game for me because I'm in Columbus and I've got a show in Noonan. I want to try to give all the Noonan schools love like Heritage, like Northgate, East Coweta, Noonan, just Trinity Christian, all these schools that really show support to the radio station. Some of the other action last night in high school basketball, the Carver girls, they get the big win over Doherty. They are still undefeated in region play. The Carver boys lost a heartbreaker to Doherty, 64-61 down in Albany, Georgia. And Carver has lost two straight games they will face region rival this Friday, the Columbus Blue Devils. And we will have that game on George Alabama Sports Live. I will be on the call. Tip-off will be at 6 p.m. on Friday, starting with the girls' game. Meanwhile, the Columbus Blue Devils went down to Albany as well, and they lost a four-point game to Monroe, 60-56. to Just an incredible performance by a surprising Columbus Blue Devils team that looks like they are going to make the playoffs. This looks like a team that is capable of making the playoffs. The Columbus girls, they did fall to Monroe 83-28. Some of the other scores as Spencer gets the clean sweep over their region rival, the Kendrick Cherokees. This game was being played at the campus of Kendrick High School. The Spencer boys get the 77-57 victory over Kendrick. They are 15-2 overall. They are still undefeated in region play. Meanwhile, we had a border war as the Hardaway Lady Hawks and Hawks, they go into Russell County and they get the clean sweep. 
The Hardaway Hawks get the 61-51 victory over the Russell County Warriors. These are two top teams in our rankings. Hardaway goes to 12-8. They will host Cairo on Friday, and Thrift Barringer will have the call on the broadcast. The Glenwood Lady Gators got the win over Springwood. However, the Glenwood Gators fell to Springwood 60-54. Springwood, a school up in Lynette. And Glenwood goes to 19-8. Springwood goes to 18-4. And And Glenwood's got a big game this Thursday as they are taking on Lee Scott Academy. That should be an incredible game. Another rivalry game as the Harris County girls just continue rolling as they were able to defeat Northside in the first game. This was up at the county. A big shout-out to Rick Beach from Kutsu Sports as he was given some score updates during the broadcast. And their record is just incredible. If This game was actually a lot closer than expected. 68-51. to The Harris County Lady Tigers are 17-2. and Their only two losses were to Carver and Hardaway. Meanwhile, the Northside Patriots... They actually help their playoff chances as they get the victory over the Harris County Tigers. And they pick up their third victory of the season. Northside will actually take on Hardaway this Saturday. Other action in high school basketball, the Valley Rams. They get the big 80-47 victory over Tallahassee on senior night. You had Lochapoca defeat Maplesville 55-47. Realtown was able to defeat Lynette 55-50. The Beulah Bobcats got the one-point victory 35-34 over Randolph County. Auburn gets the 79-36 win over Smith Station. Eufaula defeats Rehoboth 102-41. And Central defeats Opelika on the road, 74-56. to All right, it is Tuesday. It means it's time for my Bracketology show. Now, I just base this off Joe Lenardi. Sometimes I pick CBS Sports, just whatever Bracketologist I feel like following today. Every week I add another seed. This week I'm going to add the projected number three seed. So let's get into the Bracketology show Right now, as we speak, the first team that is projected to be the overall number one seed is those Purdue Boilermakers led by their star player, Zach Eady. Now, it's been a while since Purdue reached the Final Four. The last time was the 1979-1980 season led by their second-year coach, Lee Rose. Purdue's had some good teams, had some good players like Robbie Hummel, Glenn Robinson, Jaden Ivey, but Coach Matt Painter, I believe this is his best team that he has had in a while. You got to remember that Purdue in the last 10 years have gotten to three Sweet 16s, but they have got to at least get to the Elite Eight. They haven't made it to the Elite Eight since the 99-2000 season. So Purdue is the overall number one seed, according to Joe Lenardi. The other number one seeds are Houston, North Carolina, and UConn. These are projections according to ESPN.com's Joe Lenardi. The projected number two seeds are Arizona, Tennessee, Kansas, and Wisconsin. 
And the projected number three seeds are Illinois, Marquette, Auburn, and Kentucky. And despite Kentucky losing to South Carolina big on the road, Joe Lenardi still has Kentucky listed as a number three seed. I think that the SEC is going to get at least eight teams in the field of 68. Last night, South Carolina ended up beating Kentucky 69-62. to We got some big games today, including a big rivalry down at Coleman Coliseum. The Auburn Tigers, they are taking on the Alabama Crimson Tide. That is going to be a huge game, 7.30 on ESPN. The Georgia Bulldogs are hosting LSU at Stegman Coliseum. Joe Lenardi doesn't even have the Bulldogs in his field. In fact, looking at the bubble teams, Georgia's not even listed as a bubble team. Here are your last four in. These are the teams that will play in that first four. Really, they call it the first round. Kansas State, Ole Miss, Cincinnati, and Oregon. Your first four out, Gonzaga, Providence, Colorado, and Wake Forest. And your next four out are Indiana State, Nevada, Florida, and Texas. How about the Gonzaga Bulldogs possibly not making the NCAA tournament for the first time since the 1997-98 season, back when Dan Monson was the head coach? You remember, They were a 10 seed back in 99, and they upset Stanford, and they went to the Elite Eight, and that is really where Gonzaga basketball took off because Mark Few has brought the Gonzaga Bulldogs to another level. In fact, two NCAA championship appearances, but no titles. Is it possible that the Gonzaga Bulldogs dynasty could come to an end? Anyway, that's my Bracketology show next week. I'm going to add the number four seeds, and hopefully Georgia can impress the tournament committee to try to get some more wins to try to get into this thing. One team that I don't think is going to make it to the NCAA tournament unless they go on a run and win the ACC is the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. What is going on with the Yellow Jackets? They are losing the teams they are supposed to beat. Now, don't get me wrong. Pitt did upset Duke. You cannot lose to Pitt at home. And Georgia Tech is below 500. i I'm not saying that Coach Damon Stoudemire is a bad coach. It's his first year. They will travel to Blacksburg this Saturday to take on Virginia Tech. I hope they have a good showing next Tuesday because they are facing the North Carolina Tar Heels and Armando Baycott. They are coming to the ATL, and you have got to have a good showing, especially when the lights are brighter. And what better way than to showcase the North Carolina Tar Heels in front of all those fans in McCamish Pavilion. That's actually a big night in Atlanta as far as the NBA because you got the Lakers coming to town at State Farm Arena and then you got North Carolina taking on Georgia Tech. So last night in the NBA, Clippers beat the Lakers 127-116. Thunder over the Blazers 111-109. The New Orleans Pelicans big win over the Utah Jazz 153-124. The New York Knicks road victory over the Nets 108-103. And then the Nuggets... Defeated the Pacers 114-109. I like this Pacers team, though, with Pascal Siakam, Benedict Matherin, Tyrese Halliburton. Hey, the Atlanta Hawks, can they still try to trade DeJounte Murray? I mean, they gave up three first-round picks for him, but it is not working out. The former All-Star and first-team All-Defense from the San Antonio Spurs is struggling playing alongside DeJounte Murray. This team's not winning. 
and they are taking on the Golden State Warriors, a team that's also struggling up at the Chase Center in San Francisco. That's going to be a very late night game for the Hawks. Tip-off is at 10. We had a couple milestones the other night. I mean, Joel Embiid, 70 points. What a milestone, and especially on the anniversary that Kobe Bryant scored 81. And you also had Carl Anthony Towns that had 62 points. So great job by the big man. I think that the domination of the big man is starting to come back. Remember in the early 90s when they had Patrick Ewing, Shaquille O'Neal, Hakeem Olajuwon? I think that guard play with Michael Jordan and the Bulls kind of shifted the game now that there's no hand check in the NBA. It seemed like the last 20 years this league has been guard-centric, but I love seeing the big man make a return in the NBA. And I can't think of any better at big man than what we have right now with Joel Embiid, Nikolai Jokic, Carl Anthony Towns, and Giannis over there in Milwaukee. Speaking of Milwaukee, they fired Adrian Griffin after one season. And Doc Rivers is now the head coach of the Milwaukee Bucks. The Columbus State Cougars and Lady Cougars will be in action tonight at the Lumpkin Center, starting with the Columbus State Lady Cougars, who are 7-7 seven and seven overall. They are hosting Flagler College. Tip-off, 5.30 p.m. Meanwhile, the Columbus State Cougars will be in action tonight, taking on Flagler College. Columbus State, 9-6 and six overall, 3-3 three and three in the Peach Belt. Tip-off at 7.30, and you can catch the games on WCUG 88.5 Cougar Radio. All right, we're going to go ahead and take a break, and when we come back, I'm going to talk about the new class that will be enshrined into Cooperstown later this summer for the Baseball Hall of Fame, and I'm going to talk about the players who didn't get in you don't want to go anywhere. It's a sports with Richard Holder. It's presented by George Alabama Sports Live. We'll be right back. Yeah. Stick around. Active Pest Control offers the best services and prices to protect your home. Offering both monthly and quarterly pest control services, plus specific services like bed bugs, German roach, and flea control. Even if you can't see them, insects are all around you 24-7. Active Pest Control wants to be the first line of defense. Active Pest Control. Repair. Bond. Best termite coverage around. Active Pest Control, 34 Jefferson Street, Noonan, 770-954-9941. It's the best in sports and entertainment. And get locked in and locked down with Rhino Radio Penitentiary, 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. With your host, me, Ryan O'Neill, each and every morning, right here with the best in sports and entertainment, all the way from professional sports to college sports to River Dragons hockey and everything in between, including some of the very best local and national guests. It's the Rhino Radio Penitentiary, 7 a.m. to 10 a.m., Monday through Fridays, right here on 99.1 FM WQEE. Welcome back to the Sports Bee with Richard Holdridge, presented by George Alabama Sports Live. My final segment before I get Gabe Reynolds on the show is the Baseball Hall of Fame voting. I have an opinion on it. I mean, it's composed of the Baseball Writers Association. And in the past, they've been rigid. They've also been inconsistent. Do we keep the steroid era out of it? There's some players that might have been in question that use steroids or the people that tested positive, we definitely don't want them in. Two years ago, Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens in their 10th year of eligibility were razor thin, almost got in. But 
Barry Bonds had 66% of the votes. They can't get in unless the Veterans Committee votes them in. But congratulations to the three members that got voted in the Baseball Writers Association. Adrian Beltre, Todd Helton, and Joe Maurer. Now, I'm 44 years old. I remember when all these players were brought up and as rookies. And now we're starting to see players getting voted into the Baseball Hall of Fame in my lifetime that I witnessed and paid attention to as a rookie all the way until their career. Adrian Beltre has put up great numbers. He had a 21-year career. You know, he played for the Dodgers. He played for the Rangers. He played for the Seattle Mariners. But let's look into Adrian Beltre's career because he came up with the Dodgers at 19 years old back in 1998. His best year was 2004 when he had 48 home runs and 121 RBIs. Now, if you look at Adrian Beltre's career, he was a four-time All-Star. He was a five-time Gold Glove winner, and his wins over replacement is very good. He had a stretch in the 2010s where he was the Texas Rangers' best player. 2011, he came so close to winning a World Series. You look at these players and whether or not they win rings or not. I mean, Adrian Beltre, he finished his career with Texas, retired in 2018 at the age of 39. His accolades, 477 career home runs, and he batted 286. But he gets 95% of the votes. Look, Adrian Beltre is a Hall of Famer, but 95% of the votes? That's a lot. All right, the next player is Todd Helton. And a lot of you who are Tennessee Volunteers fans, remember he was the backup quarterback to Peyton Manning. Todd Helton had a great collegiate career in Tennessee. The five-time All-Star, three-time Gold Glove, the four-time Silver Slugger. And look, people always make the argument, well, he played in Colorado, so the numbers are going to be a little bit higher because of Coors Field. Possibly, yeah, but Todd Helton was a great pure hitter. Not since Tony Gwynn or Wade Boggs do I remember a player like Todd Helton who, in the year 2000, he batted 372. He played his entire career with the Colorado Rockies, 17 years in the Rockies organization. And I do believe he's going to be the first Colorado Rocky to go into the Hall of Fame. I'll have to do my research on that. But the Baseball Writers Association voted him in with 79.7% of the votes. He was first on the ballot in 2019, and he finally gets in in his sixth year of eligibility. Well-deserved. But these Hall of Fame players, they're starting to get judged by winning rings. Well, Todd Helton did come close. In 2007, the Colorado Rockies went on a tear they went to the World Series. However, they did get swept by the Boston Red Sox. And the final player who got voted in to the Hall of Fame from the Baseball Writers Association is Minnesota Twins catcher Joe Maurer. I remember in 2004, this guy was a huge prospect. He was going to be just the biggest star in Minnesota and was a great catcher. He had great numbers as far as batting average. A lifetime 306 batting average will get you in the hall just about every time. 
He also won MVP in 2009. Played his entire career with the Minnesota Twins for 15 seasons. Now, his career was cut short because of injuries. He had to retire at the age of 35. But Joe Maurer, unbelievable career. I, I believe that these players are deserving of the Hall. I mean, you look at Joe Maurer, five Silver Sluggers, six-time All-Star, three Gold Gloves, and of course he won that MVP in 2009. 76.1% of the votes. Well-deserving, but we have to talk about the players that did not get selected. We have to start with Billy Wagner. One of the greatest closers, if not one of the top closers in baseball, he doesn't get in in his ninth year of eligibility with 73.8% of the votes. Remember, when they hit 10 years of eligibility, they will be taken off the ballot. The only way they can get into the hall is by the Veterans Committee. Next up is Gary Sheffield. 63.9% of the votes. He won a World Series with Florida in 1997. You know He kind of underachieved with the Yankees, but he also played for the Braves. Gary Sheffield had a good career. He did have 509 home runs, but there was a cloud of judgment as far as the steroid era. No, Gary Sheffield never tested positive for steroids, but he did play in that era. But he doesn't make it in his 10th year of eligibility, and he will be coming off the ballot for 2025. The next player I want to talk about that I felt they got shammed in getting into the hall was Andrew Jones. Andrew Jones is a Hall of Famer. Are you kidding me? This guy not getting into the Hall of Fame? You just look at his numbers. I mean, he was one of the best fielding center fielders of all time. I put him up there with Willie Mays. A five-time All-Star. Ten-time Gold Glove winner. A Silver Slugger. This guy was an absolute impact for the Atlanta Braves. He played 17 seasons. Now, I got to be honest with you, when the Braves let him go in 2007, his career numbers dropped off. I mean, they dropped off big time. When the Dodgers signed him in 2008, that might have been one of the worst free agent acquisitions because his numbers were not very good. I'm, I'm here to tell you, his numbers, in fact, were terrible when he went to the Dodgers. He tried to make a comeback. You look at the Dodgers. I, I don't know if this keeps him out of the hall. Because he batted 158 with three home runs and 14 RBIs. The year before, with the Braves in 2007, he had 27 home runs and 94 RBIs. His best year was 2005 when he had 51 home runs and 128 RBIs. But it wasn't just his numbers at the plate that should solidify him getting into the Hall. It was his glove. If Ozzie Smith is in the Hall of Fame because of his glove... Why can't Andrew Jones be in the Hall of Fame because of his glove? This was the best fielding center fielder for a 10-year span from 97 to 2007. Are you kidding me? I mean, he had prime years with the Atlanta Braves, and he was really the reason why the Braves kept winning the division and going to the playoffs all the way until 2005. Andrew Jones should definitely be in the Hall of Fame and he's got three more years of eligibility. I hope he does. I hope he gets into the Hall of Fame because that is a travesty that Andrew Jones is not in the Hall of Fame. Rounding out the others, 
these players are going to still get votes. Carlos Beltran, 57% of the votes. Alex Rodriguez, great numbers in his third year of eligibility, only 34% of the votes. I don't think he gets in. When he was playing with the Yankees, when the Yankees signed him in 2004, he was a very unlikable guy. I mean, the media did not like him. I mean, Derek Jeter was the poster boy for the Yankees, and A-Rod was in Derek Jeter's shadow. Yes, Alex Rodriguez did finally win a World Series in 2009, and his numbers are great. He does have that cloud of steroids hanging over him. 696 home runs will get you in the Hall of Fame every time. It just happened to be in the steroid era. Manny Ramirez, same thing. I mean, he's got the World Series rings with the Boston Red Sox, but 555 home runs, and there's that steroid allegation. First year, I don't know if Chase Utley is going to get in, but in his first year of eligibility, 28.8% of the votes. He was he was the Phillies' best second baseman, and really that core with Ryan Howard and Jimmy Rollins, that was just a team that should have won multiple World Series titles, and they only have the one in 2008. Another player in his first year of eligibility is David Wright. He only had 6.2% of the votes, but that is going to keep him on the ballot for next year. Here are some of the players that did not get 5% of the votes that will be coming off the ballot, and and they're not Hall of Famers, let's let's be honest. Victor Martinez, Jose Batista, Bartolo Colon, Matt Holliday, Adrian Gonzalez, Brandon Phillips, Jose Reyes, and James Shields. Let's take a sneak peek to what could be potentially the 2025 Hall of Fame class. Here are some of the players that will be on their first year of eligibility, and I'll say whether or not they're going to be a Hall of Famer. Ichiro is going to be on the ballot in 2025. Ichiro is a Hall of Famer, if not on the Major League Baseball side, baseball all around, because his numbers in the Japanese League and in Major League Baseball rival Ty Cobb and some of the Pete Rose. I mean, some of the great baseball players. You know I'm getting excited about baseball. We got 21 days left till pitchers and catchers report. CeCe Sabathia, Dustin Pedroia. Oh, big shout out to Woodland, California. That I lived in Woodland from 1997 to 2005, and Dustin Pedroia is the poster boy in Woodland, and I want to see him get in the Hall of Fame. He does have a World Series ring. I don't know if he gets in the Hall of Fame. His injuries really were cut short with the Boston Red Sox. Ian Kinsler, I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. Felix Hernandez or Troy Tulowitzki, those players are not Hall of Famers. I do believe that Ichiro gets in and maybe CeCe Sabathia. But you got to see maybe Billy Wagner gets in and maybe Andrew Jones with 61.6% of the votes. He might get in just for the simple fact that there's not a strong class of new eligible players for the Hall in 2025. You know I love baseball. I love talking about the Hall of Fame when they do announce the 2024 class. And they will be enshrined in Cooperstown. I do plan on going to New York this year, but... It's going to be New York City, and I was actually trying to find out how far Cooperstown was from New York City, and it's pretty far. It's upstate. It has always been a lifelong dream of mine to go to Cooperstown because I love baseball. I'm a baseball purist, and congratulations to the 2024 Hall of Fame class. All right, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, I'm going to bring on Gabe Reynolds. He is a lifelong friend. 
I knew him in college at Freed Harbin University. He is also the head basketball coach of the Ezel Harding Christian Girls Varsity team up in Nashville. And he's also a big sports fan, and I just wanted to get him on once again to talk about the NFL playoffs and uh, the whole landscape of the transfer portal NIL in college football, especially with the Alabama Crimson Tide. You don't want to go anywhere. It's a sports beat with Richard Holdridge, and we'll be right back. Wishbone Fried Chicken is back in a brand new location. 31 Jackson Street, Sweet A here in Noonan. Same great taste. The best chicken around. Fish dinners. Open Monday through Saturday, 10.30 a.m. to 4 p.m. Dine in. Take out. It's Wishbone Fried Chicken. Right next door to their former location, bringing you the best chicken around. So great. Wishbone Fried Chicken, 31 Jackson Street, Sweet A, here in Noonan. Hey, sports fans. It's Rod Peterson here, host of The Rod Peterson Show, inviting you to join us daily for two hours of Atlanta's funnest sports talk right here on WQEE. I say fun because it is. You've never heard a show like it because we make the listeners a part of the show every day between noon and 2 p.m. Eastern. You'll hear plenty of the best sports talk, including the latest on the Falcons, the Braves, and more. And who knows, you might even hear you. That's the Rod Peterson Show, daily at noon, right here on WQEE 99.1 FM. Hey, sports fans. Weekdays, 3 p.m. Eastern to 5 p.m. Eastern. Drive time. WQEE. Braves Country is a southern sports talk show with Mac McGee and the Armchair Quarterbacks. That's Braves Country with Mac McGee and the Armchair Quarterbacks. Weekdays, 3 p.m. to 5 p.m., right here on WQEE 99.1 FM. Welcome back to the Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge, presented by Georgia Alabama Sports Live. And on the show today is a frequent guest of mine, a longtime friend. He is the head basketball coach of the Ezel Harding Christian Girls basketball team out of Nashville. Please welcome to the show, Gabe Reynolds. Hey, everybody. How y'all doing? Happy New Year to you. Richard, hey, glad to be back. It is the final. It is championship Sunday coming up in the NFL. Are you excited? Well, of course I'm excited, Gabe. My San Francisco 49ers are in the championship. I was really hoping that it would be the 49ers and Cowboys, but I don't know what happened to your Dallas Cowboys. The Green Bay Packers, who are this up-and-coming team, they seem to have the Cowboys number, and the 49ers almost lost to the Packers. I think that the Packers are in good shape. They're going to be a team to watch in 2024. But my takeaway on the 49ers-Packers game the 49ers should have lost that game. They played awful until that last drive by Brock Purdy. And over on the other side in the AFC, well, the Kansas City Chiefs, they have that championship pedigree, and the Buffalo Bills blew it. But uh, what are you looking forward to about the conference championships coming up? And what was your takeaway from this past weekend in the divisional round? Well, I, I'm actually I'm, I'm, I'm hoping for some new blood. Uh, I, I mean, right now, the Cinderella story it has to be the uh, the Detroit Lions. Uh, they hosted, you know, their first playoff game in almost 30, in over 30 years, and then they had their first back-to-back home games, and then they're in their first ever NFC Championship game uh, with a you know with an opportunity to potentially uh, go to the Super Bowl. 
So, you know, Jared Goff, this is, you know, redemption. You know, he beat he beat the uh the Rams and, and Matthew Stafford, you know, who who he was traded for and he watched Stafford take his team and go win a Super Bowl and to, you know, get that redemption right there. Then you had, you know, the Cowboys getting upset. So then it gave Detroit another home game. And then they had Tampa Bay coming in there. So it was already like, you know, set up for them. Like, this is right now like a a, a, a Disney movie in real life uh, with the Detroit Lions right now. They're, they're almost like the team of destiny because they're going to be everybody's, everybody's darlings this week because, you know, no disrespect, but, you know, a lot of folks don't want to see the 49ers uh, go to the Super Bowl. Don't know, but a lot of teams don't – a lot of people don't want to see the Kansas City Chiefs go to the Super Bowl. But if you're Vegas and if you're CBS and, and you're wanting the ratings, you actually want Baltimore to get to the Super Bowl and you want to see Baltimore and San Francisco or you want to see KC and San Francisco. The one thing that you don't want to see – is the Detroit Lions in the Super Bowl. But everybody else is looking for someone, you know, they like they like an underdog story. And in this case, Detroit's got a lot to cheer for it, it right now. But I, I, I was I was just excited that the games were even uh remotely competitive uh on both sides. Uh Green Bay being up on San Francisco only to lose it in the end and then the Buffalo Casey uh, matchup that was just you know an instant classic all together. So I, I mean you couldn't go wrong uh, either way this weekend. But you had four good games in the divisional round, and I think you're going to get two good games on Championship Sunday. I can't wait. It is the Kansas City Chiefs at Baltimore and the Detroit Lions playing the San Francisco 49ers, and. You look at the accomplishments that the Chiefs and 49ers have made. The Kansas City Chiefs making it to six straight conference championships. The 49ers making it four out of the last five years. I know America does not want to see Kansas City and San Francisco. We saw this four years ago. I know the entire country is rooting for the Detroit Lions to make it to the Super Bowl. But which Super Bowl matchup would you want to see the most? Probably Baltimore and San Fran. Uh, just want to see Lamar Jackson get to the Super Bowl. It would have been nice to, you know, I, I mean, right now, like I said, you know, everybody everybody is, you know, probably rooting for Detroit. But ratings-wise, game-wise, do we really want to see Detroit in the Super Bowl? Probably not uh, because it's probably not going to be a good game. So I think uh, San Francisco uh, – gives you a better game uh, with Baltimore. But I'm like everybody else. I'm kind of tired of seeing Patrick Mahomes and uh, Kelsey. and I'm really tired of seeing, no disrespect to the Swifties, but I'm kind of tired of seeing Taylor Swift as well. Well, it makes football interesting. I mean, I got family members who normally don't watch football. They have invested interest now in watching football. But, yeah, I, I agree with you, Gabe. I do like the 49ers-Ravens matchup because I feel like that Christmas game, if the 49ers didn't commit five turnovers, that they matched up well with the Baltimore Ravens going toe-to-toe. Remember, Brock Purdy was driving down the field, and he threw a boneheaded interception. Otherwise, I thought the 49ers would have been competitive in that game. 
you do have the two best teams, both the number one seeds hosting the conference championship, and I think that they will meet in the Super Bowl. But you also have the factor of Patrick Mahomes, even though he's already got a road victory in the playoffs, taking on a Baltimore Ravens team that looks like the most complete team in the NFL. And one more time, Patrick Mahomes, we thought the dynasty was over, but it seems like the Kansas City Chiefs just flip the switch every time they get into the postseason. It's going to be an exciting game. I'm looking forward to the AFC Championship. I'm looking forward to the NFC Championship. The 49ers are a seven-point favorite against Detroit. Now, the narrative was that Brock Purdy could not throw a wet ball, and the 49ers' offense looks ordinary without Debo Samuel. Well, Debo Samuel might not play in this game. It's 50-50 right now. And Stephen A. Smith actually got on first take and said, the 49ers have no chance of beating the Lions if Debo Samuel is not in the game. But do you think that the 49ers' high-powered offense, even without Debo Samuel, will be able to just put up points in bunches against a Detroit Lions defense that doesn't have the greatest pass defense in the league. Their run defense is pretty good, but it's their pass defense that's not very good. And I also like the matchup between the 49ers' defensive line going up against pretty much a a non-mobile quarterback. Jared Goff, they've seen him before with the Rams, and he is just not the type of quarterback that will move outside the pocket. So what are you looking forward to from these conference championship matchups? I think San Francisco can still uh, move the ball and get points up in bunches. You 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 got one of the the top tight ends in the game today on the other side, and uh, George Kittle, and then you still got uh, McCaffrey in the back in the backfield, and then you know don't don't discount uh, IU uh, on the other side opposite of Debo. So I mean they got a lot of weapons, uh, you know as well. Um, I think that, you know, if you t- if if uh, Samuel is not playing, uh, you're gonna get a heavy dosing of McCaffrey and uh, Kittle, and then after that, you're gonna they're gonna give it to uh, Ayuk and let Ayuk do what he does. So I, I, I still I still think uh, San Fran has a has a way of of scoring. It's gonna come down to uh, what Gibbs, uh, uh, Williams, uh, Golf, what they can do on offense for uh, Detroit. Um, now, defensively, I still give that to San Francisco as well. Um, I, I know there are seven. I know San Francisco is a seven-point favorite. I think they're going to win this game pretty easily. They'll probably they'll probably win by uh, twenty-one plus points. Uh, I think it's going to be a blowout, and I think it's going to be a blowout early. Um, Detroit, you know the 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 slipper the slipper doesn't fit here. Uh, I think they'll keep it interesting in the beginning, but they've never been this far. They've never been here. San Francisco has. They've been to the Super Bowl. They got pedigree. They know how to win in big games. I just think the moment is just going to be too big for Detroit right here uh, in this moment, but. You know, they got a lot to build on uh, off of this season. In the AFC, uh, I think it's going to come down to which quarterback uh, makes the fewest mistakes. Um, the one thing that Baltimore has that Buffalo didn't have 
it away Kelsey and you then they'll just dink and dump uh all all up under uh and, and still be able to move the ball. But you know, you gotta with with, with KC, you gotta be able to contain uh Mahomes. If Mahomes gets out of the pocket, he can beat you with his legs. If you keep him in the pocket and put a spy on him and you don't let him run, then you know, you got a chance. But the same can be seen with Lamar Jackson. I would have thought they probably would have put that game in prime time. Uh, but that that's that's going to be the marquee game of the day right there. Yeah, they always interchange every year. The NFC Championship will be first, and then they rotate every year. But it, it should be fun. Two conference championships for the right to go to the Super Bowl in Vegas and – we're hoping that it is Baltimore and San Francisco in the Super Bowl. The matchup that nobody wants to see is Kansas City and San Francisco. But either way, the 49ers are going to face the team they lost to in the Super Bowl the last two appearances that they have made it to the Super Bowl. I think what Kyle Shanahan has done has been incredible. Really, the 49ers organization, seven NFC Championship appearances in the last 13 years. It was the three straight with Jim Harbaugh. Then they fell on some hard times. Kyle Shanahan took over as head coach in 2017. They get to the Super Bowl in 2019 with Jimmy Garoppolo. And I actually think that Brock Purdy is better than Jimmy Garoppolo. So this time around, I do believe the 49ers would match up well, depending on who they play, whether it's Baltimore or Kansas City. And the 49ers also exercise demons because finally Kyle Shanahan is wins a game where they were trailing by seven points in the fourth quarter. Okay, say what you want. I mean, Jake Moody did kick that field goal and they cut it to four at the start of the fourth quarter, but it was a nice narrative. They showed that graphic on the TV, and I think the 49ers did exercise some demons. Yeah, they did. And, and I mean, they they had to – Green Bay just came in there and just, just you know, it, it was complete ball control. They held on to the ball. They uh, they they held time of possession. But, you know, if he makes that kick, that game goes into overtime, I think. Wait. Yeah, it would have been 24-17. Yeah. to 17. Uh, I still did not have confidence that Brock Purdy can do what he did, driving the length of the field. I'll be honest with you, Gabe, when it was 21-17 to 17 and the 49ers pinned – the Packers back and Aaron Jones got that big run. I pretty much said it's over. And I, I was this close to turning off the TV. I was convinced that the green Bay Packers won this game, but the 49ers proved me wrong. And even when Christian McCaffrey got that score, you had a minute left to go and green Bay had all their timeouts. I still had confidence that Jordan love was going to at least get into field goal range and tie it up once again. But he threw probably one of the worst picks I have ever seen a quarterback throw. And not since Brett Favre when he was with Minnesota in that interception against New Orleans to have the Saints go to the Super Bowl. That was how bad that interception was. And what's up with Dre Greenlaw not going down? I mean, the conspiracy theorists say that he was trying to get a pick six so the 49ers would cover. I don't. I don't know. I heard him talking about that. I'm not. I'm not sure. Well, let's see. The 49ers were up 24 to 21. If he would have got a pick six, and if they would have kicked the extra point, they would have won 31-21. And the Niners were favored by 10. So, uh, yeah, 
there there's some conspiracy theorists out there uh but yeah i'm very happy the 49ers won a win is a win it was ugly they did not play great special teams blunders and slipping players slipping on the field and green bay had some wide open players i could guarantee you gabe they're going to play a much cleaner game against the Detroit Lions. And I do feel that the Green Bay Packers were probably a bigger challenge than the Detroit Lions. But it should be a good game. It, yeah, it, it, it'll definitely be a good game. And, yeah, they were a much uh, – Green Bay was a much bigger challenge than uh, what Detroit would be. All right, Gabe, switching gears, let's talk about your Dallas Cowboys because Jerry Jones has decided to retain Mike McCarthy for the year 2024. Look, they they finished 12-5 and five their last three years. Mike McCarthy is a good coach. He did lead the Packers to the Super Bowl. There are some question marks, especially with play calling and clock management. But in your mind... Did the Cowboys make the right decision by keeping Mike McCarthy? Uh, I mean, he only had one year left on his contract. So either way it goes, he's coaching for his job. So either he he uh, gets either doesn't have a job next year or he gets a contract. Uh, Jason Garrett did it twice during the time that he was there. Uh um, so it's, you know, one time he ended up getting a five-year extension and then the last time he did it, he didn't have a job. So, and that's when McCarthy was brought in. So it, it, the risk outweigh the reward, but when you look at the coaching carousel this year, who, who, who would have really, who would have really Jerry Jones would have went to get, uh, to come in there. And it just, I mean, 12 and five in three years, like, you 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 gotta have a reason to let a person go. I mean, he, he won two NFC East uh, titles. I mean, you just don't extend him. You give him another chance. He gets if he gets to the Super Bowl, then he gets an extension. If he doesn't, then you just everybody just part ways mutually. All right, Gabe. One more final segment before I get you out of here. Alabama. Nick Saban retires. You're an Alabama fan. They hire Kalen DeBoer which I think is a good hire. He led the Washington Huskies to the national championship. But I think the one thing that's concerning is top Alabama players like Caleb Downs and Julian Sain entering the transfer portal. Isaiah Bond goes to Texas. And I've heard other sports talk show hosts talk about this, that the theory behind this is that the brand Alabama, a lot of young high school players don't care about the brand anymore. Otherwise, Notre Dame would be the best college football team in America. It's all about NIL and who can pay up the most. And a lot of players who wanted to play for Nick Saban, and once he left, that was it. The writing was written on the wall. I do believe that Kalen DeBoer is going to come in and be successful. He's going to bring his own guys and I think that Alabama's going to be fine. But uh, what is your reaction to everything that's happened to Alabama in, in the past couple of weeks with Nick Saban retiring, the hiring of Kalen DeBoer, and all these players entering the transfer portal? I mean, it's to be expected. I mean, that that's the that, that's the greatest football coach of our lifetime uh, that just stepped down. The new coach, anybody that was coming in after Nick Saban, this was bound to happen. This was going to happen. People, especially in this day and age with the transfer portal. 
this was going to happen. I don't know much about uh, DeBoer. Uh, I didn't get a chance to watch many uh, Washington games. Uh, but I'm a, I'm gonna give him a, I'm a, I think anybody that was gonna replace Nick Saban was gonna be was going to was gonna come in and face this uphill battle. You know they always say you don't want to be the guy that replaces the guy. You want to be the guy after the guy that replaces the guy. He's got some big shoes to fill. Like you said, he's gonna he, he's been a one thing I can say. Looking at his resume, he's been a winner everywhere he's gone. He has he has been a winner. He's He's won uh, NAI titles. He won uh, a Pac-12 title. He won a Big West title. So you know he he he's he's been a winner. And you know I think the the, the Alabama Pierce are not gonna be are not ready to see an air raid offense in Alabama because if he can look at Steve, I I I look at DeBoer as a as a modern-day Steve Spurrier. Spurrier came into the SEC, innovated, you know, reinvented the game, and and, and, and did away with the three yards and the cloud of dust and the wishbone. It became an air raid system, and look what happened with Florida. If he gets the right players in there and he gets the right uh, coaching staff in there that can go in and recruit um, the South, especially Florida, and uh, it can go into Texas and go into Louisiana. He's gonna be fine. He'll, he'll be fine. It'll be the you know it may not be the the seven championships like you had with Saban, but the consistency within the Alabama program will still be there. Um, that that that's one thing I I I, I would look forward to. I've been an Alabama fan since '92. When they beat Miami in the Sugar Bowl uh, with James Stallings, um, and, and you know I'm I'm a Cowboys fan, so I've been with the the highest of the highs and the lowest of the lows. Right now, you know I'm, I'm just you know taking a wait and see approach with everything. You know everybody knew that this day was gonna come that Saban was gonna eventually step down and retire. Uh, you know this was probably Saban's best job with the team that uh, he took to the college football playoff. But one thing that he can't, nobody can say, he, he, made, he made the SEC the premier college football conference in the conference. I mean, in the country. Kirby Smart is now, Kirby's got the mantle now. Kirby's got to take it and run with it. And then you, you, look, at, you, you look at everybody else. You you know they were say everybody says well Sark was 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 one Lane Kiffin was one I don't I don't think those guys really wanted to come right then and there I mean look at let let go back a, a few years well not a few years go back some years when uh Tubby Smith left Kentucky they courted John Calipari and they hired Billy Gillespie Billy Gillespie didn't last but two years at Kentucky. And what happened? They came right back to John Calipari, and John Calipari went to Kentucky, and he took it to he took it back to the to the to the good old days. It's the same thing, the same way. It's hard replacing a legend. It's hard replacing one of the goats. But everybody's got to go through it at some point. Hopefully, the board can come in there and get his, get the right people in place, and. 
continue the legacy. Gabe, I always appreciate you coming on the show and uh, looking forward to having you up back on once again. And just good luck with the basketball team. I know that uh, we're really into high school basketball season right now. We got region tournaments coming up. And then next month, state playoffs. Can't wait. Well, we got a big one tonight. Uh, we're currently tied for first place. I, uh, my team has been hit with injuries transfers and uh a lot of stuff so i'm 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 doing some of my best work we just we just um we went one and one last week but we're still tied for first place uh with five games left so we we got a chance to do something at easier that hasn't been done since 2016 and that's win a district championship and make it to the state tournament so we're 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 we're, we're still doing doing our best and, and, and moseying along. We'll keep you updated. Well, good luck uh, the rest of the way, and uh, look forward to having you back on the show. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. All right, that is Gabe Reynolds. He is the head basketball coach of Ezell Harding Christian Girls Varsity Basketball Team up in Nashville. Thank you, everybody, for listening to another episode of the Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. I want to thank all my listeners those who have downloaded and subscribed to the podcast, and we will talk to you tomorrow. Have a great rest of your day, everybody. Put one of those hash browns at the end, you know, like hash brown team Cobra Kai or something, and then send it to the internet. Help protect your family from flu this season by taking three easy steps. First, get yourself and your family a flu shot. It's quick and can protect you all season. Second, take everyday actions to help prevent the spread of germs like flu. Cover your cough, stay home from work or school if you're sick, and wash your hands often. Third, there are drugs that can treat flu illness. These work best when started early. Learn more at cdc.gov slash fight flu. At Jersey Mike's, they slice your order fresh right in front of you. And let me tell you, watching that can send a rush of emotions through a person. Excitement, impatience, baby-like wonder, indecisive, anticipatory chewing, nervous pacing, happy claps, and finally, jealousy, because that's this guy's sub. I should order one. Good idea. Sliced right in front of you. It's a Jersey Mike's thing. A sub above. When you really need something to get you through a long graduation ceremony, Trolley Sour Gummy Worms are there to give you a thrill. With varieties like Trolley Sour Bursting Crawlers, the worm's soft and chewy texture, surprising flavor combinations, and neon bright colors will give everyone a reason to celebrate. So when you want to notch the festivities up a couple degrees, Trolley Sour Gummy Worms are the perfect way for everyone to celebrate. Shop now for any trolley that crawls your way. You've been listening to another episode of the Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge presented by Georgia Alabama Sports Live. You can catch an episode daily on WQEE 99.1 FM, the key Monday through Friday from 2 to 3 p.m. This is a podcast that covers local sports to the Chattahoochee Valley. If you would like to catch a replay of the show, you can download an episode on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcasts. And I hope you have a great rest of your day.